Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we are continuing our series, uh, Do Not Be Afraid. There were four times when an angel of the Lord uh, came to uh, either four people or even groups of people uh, and used a term very similar to, not, to do not be afraid, whether do not fear, do not be afraid, fear not, uh, those terms. And they all really go around the Christmas story. And each of those four times, the angel causes us or calls us to not fear things that you and I fear all the time. Uh, Pastor Barry, a couple of weeks ago, preached on uh, do not fear of unanswered prayers because there is no such thing. All right? There really isn't. God's either going to answer yes, no, or not yet. All right? Because God's got a bigger plan, bigger than we can fully understand. And we saw that happen through the life of Elizabeth and Zechariah. At just the right time, their prayer was answered for their good and for the glory of God in an amazing way. Well, then last week was snow day, right? Snow day, yay! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, don't clap. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, during snow day, if you had the opportunity, you can go to Facebook, and I kind of did a devotion on the second fear that we have is that we fear the impossible. All right, a lot of times we fear the impossible in our life. And the angels told her to fear not because with God, nothing is impossible. Uh, virgins can have uh, children, all right? Barren older women who are past the time of delivery as well as being barren can have children. So nothing is impossible with God. And what Mary found out was the most impossible thing wasn't that a virgin can give birth. The most impossible thing that could ever happen is that a sinner can become a saint by faith and trust in Christ. So that's why he, the angel said, fear not, favored one. Fear not, graced one. God has chosen to set his affection upon you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you call upon the name of the Lord. He promises, he joyfully promises to save you and to be with you from this point on and forevermore. The third fear is we're going to talk about today. It's the fear of Joseph. And the fear of Joseph is, is, I believe, a fear that contemporary people like us today fear constantly. So let's kind of walk through this story. We'll hit a few points here. Listen, there were some issues in this story that are quite, uh, quite big here. And if you've read the story before or just recently, uh, I don't hope that, that something, uh, that I somehow give you some crazy new truth. I hope that God gives you the truth that's always been there. That we may have glanced over. Or that maybe we have in our own minds have kind of just uh, focused on the, the cuteness of the Christmas story. I want you to see God in the story in a mighty way. And how he can meet you at your deepest fear. So the first issue we have is that Joseph... Joseph, his betrothed, okay, his engaged uh, wife, okay, was found to be with child. That's a big deal. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew 1, 18. Now, as you're turning there, you may notice that before that, there's a whole lot of names, right? From Matthew uh, 1, 1 through 17, a whole lot of names there. It's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And one of the, the key thing right in the middle of that is... King David. All right. Big deal there. 
Because all throughout the Old Testament, there were prophecies saying that someone out of the tribe of Judah, uh, a son of David, uh, would be the, the king, all right, would be the, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one to set captives free, to free Israel, to be that light in a dark world. And so son of David is a key term in here. Uh, so let's go ahead and read this, Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, took place like this. When Jesus' mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Uh, let me just make a, a little note there. You may have heard this. If you've been at church while, the word betrothed, the word engaged, it's very similar to that. But you see, in the first century, the engagements were a little bit different. All right. Nowadays, the engagement may be uh, a few weeks to sometimes a few years. And it's one of those things where we've committed to uh, not uh, date anybody else because we are planning our wedding together. All right. But let's be honest, if someone in the middle of the engagement period says, you know what, after prayer study or I've been checking out some other person, I've decided I don't want to marry you. And what happens then is there's hearts that are broken, but you walk away. See, back then, to be in an engagement, to be betrothed, meant that you have already made a commitment, a financial commitment, a spiritual commitment, a relational commitment with both families. And both families have committed themselves to each other as though they were already married, with one exception, and that's the physical intimacy. All right, That would happen on the marriage night. All right. So marriage back then, uh, even the betrothal period back then, was already legally binding. So with that said, let's read further. And her husband, oh, excuse me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When Jesus' mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, okay, so before they were uh, in the marriage ceremony, okay, before they experienced physical intimacy, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So, what we have here, this woman Mary, who was set apart for Joseph, and Joseph set apart for her, all right? She was having a baby. And before you go, yay, listen, the baby was not Joseph's. Let that settle there, those of us who have already read the story, all right? Hear it as though you're hearing it for the first time, okay? Joseph found out that his betrothed, his engaged wife, was pregnant and it wasn't his. Can you imagine the hurt, the pain that he must have felt? And can you imagine either by Mary's own words or by the words of those who may believe her? Listen, you don't understand, Joseph. She's carrying the Messiah. Okay, she's still a virgin and she's pregnant. Wow, isn't that great? Back then, I'm sure the lady said that all the time, right? Everyone wanted to be the mother of the Messiah. Or if you got in trouble, what do we do today? We come up with excuses, right? Uh, I don't know how that happened. Think about the Old Testament, all right? Uh, Aaron, who was considered the high priest there. While Aaron was trying to lead the people, he was leading 2.5 million people religiously. Moses went up to a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And so all the people's like, well, we need a God. Fashion us a God. And so he makes this, this uh, golden calf, right? 
And so all the people start worshiping this golden calf. Well, Moses comes down and he chews all the people out. He looks at Aaron and Aaron's like, I don't know what happened. And I just threw some gold in a fire and this, and this, uh, uh, this cow came out. Listen, there was no excuse in this situation. There was no excuse that could remedy the agony that Joseph was going through. Which, by the way, that excuse ended after Jesus was born. All the ladies, oh, I can't use that one anymore. So, no, that's terrible. That's terrible. But anyways, folks, there was no remedy. There, there was no way to, to uh, ease the pain that Joseph was going through. He just found out. The one that he had invested in was pregnant. And it wasn't from him. So Joseph does, this is so important. Joseph does what a lot of you good people do. Joseph does what a lot of good people do. We can talk about bad stuff, you know. Uh, we don't have to even go there, okay? Let, let's... Let's focus on what a good person would do. A good person, what would they do? They'd use logic. And they'd try to figure out the situation. So Joseph contemplates a secret divorce. Look at verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, a kind man, a righteous man. Okay, he's a just man. And he's unwilling to put Mary to shame. All right? He resolved... So he made a decision in his heart to divorce her quietly. To divorce her quietly. Remember, don't ever forget this. The character of Joseph in this story. He was considered righteous. He was considered just. The word there in this context is he was a kind man. He was a very kind man. So here's the tension that good people have. All right, And I'm talking good people, people who are... From the world standards moral, okay? We're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. There is none good, no, not one. But I'm talking about from a human perspective, when you look at someone, that's, there's a good person, all right? That type of person. Joseph was considered this. But as you know, good people have a lot of struggles. It's easy to be bad. I don't live by any rules. I do whatever I want. It doesn't matter who I hurt, all right? A good person looks at all situations, A good person is one who says, if I choose this decision, how is it going to affect my relationship with God? How is it going to affect my relationship with others? And so Joseph, being a good man, number one, he wanted to honor God's law. He wanted to honor God's law. Okay? I've pledged to marry this woman, but this woman, at least in my perspective, has committed adultery. So what do I do? Do I... Do I still continue marrying her? But I can't. My heart is so broken. So there's some loopholes in the Bible, right? Listen, the, the reason there are loopholes, let's just be honest here, the reason that there are, if you want to call it loopholes, is because we are hard-hearted people. We are. The plan of God is, is uh, a couple, a husband and a wife forever. Right? That, that's the plan of God. God knows our pain. God knows our hurt. So I want to say right now, if you're going through a marriage type of struggle, do not do this alone because here's what happens. Whenever you do it alone, you're only listening to yourself. Did I lose my mic there? I did. Ah, wait, I hear this. Hold on. There we go. We're good. Okay. Um, 
Listen, if you do this alone, the only wisdom you're getting is from yourself. And, and you are a bad counselor to yourself. You, you are. You always are. Because you are always going to agree with you. Okay? You need someone who can see the bigger picture. All right? So, God's desire for you is to stay together. It's hard. It's going to be tough. But then again, there are some passages. She just committed adultery. And so, there is a way out. I want to honor God's law, but if I honor God's law, what I could do is I can tell the whole world what Mary had done, at least what I think she had done, and I have the right to have her stoned. That's what happened back then in the Old Testament. I have the right for her to die. And if they ever find that guy, he, he will die too. That would have, in some way, in his mind, honored God because he would have gone by the letter of the law. But not only did he want to follow God's law, he wanted to show compassion towards Mary. Now, what would be the consequences of that? If he were to choose to be kind and compassionate to Mary, either in his mind he continues to marry her or he divorces her quietly, which means he doesn't use his rights. Instead, he says, you go your way, you take care of your little boy or girl, whoever that may be, you take care of your kid with your own family, and I will just move on. But as you know, in any type of marriage situation, you never fully move on. You never fully do. I've heard the example of a marriage, it's like two pieces of paper. You get some glue, you put it on that, that one sheet of paper, and you put... Uh, the other paper right on top. Let it dry for a moment. There's a marriage relationship. Can they be separated? Yeah, but they will never be the same. Never be the same. So Joseph was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in this situation. You know, for a good man, this was a lose-lose situation. A lose-lose situation. Have you ever been there before in a lose-lose situation? No matter which way you go, it's going to be bad. Anybody? All right, eight of y'all. Awesome. Nine, 12, 14. Can I have 50? 15. We've been there. We know that. That's hard. Option one, divorce and the weight that goes along with that. Thank God he's a redeeming God. He causes us to, to move uh, into even greater places than we've ever been before. But there's always that pain. There's always going to be pain there. Or option two. Should I just stay and deal with the pain of a seemingly impure wife and an illegitimate child? Can you imagine the whispers? No matter how old uh, their child gets, they'll always be, oh yeah, there's Mary's child. By the way, that did happen in Scripture. Whenever Jesus would come into town, they'd say, wait a minute, isn't this Jesus, isn't this Mary's boy? And he would have to struggle with that. This isn't even my kid. This is different from a stepson, stepdaughter situation where, you know, someone may have been married in the past, had kids, and then y'all get married, and then, oh, okay, I'm going to adopt these two kids. Yes, they're from another person, but that's, you walk into that situation. They were married, and she had a kid from seemingly another man. That's tough. That is insane. So this is what Joseph is dealing with. Was Joseph full of fear? Yes, He was, just like you and I are, 
when we are in impossible situations like this. Joseph was full of fear. What if, what if she became unfaithful again? What will my family, my friends, my community, what will my church think? Is this going to hurt my career? I mean, Joseph wouldn't have been the only carpenter in town. Others would have been, I'm not going to go to that place, you know. Uh-uh. No, no, no. There's some debauchery going on in that place. The whispers of the community. Joseph was full of fears and he had a big decision to make. Listen, sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, we need to go to God. But there are some times in our life when we bypass God and go to logic, don't we? Let's be honest. Sometimes we bypass God and we say, God, this may be even too big for you. So I'm going to handle it myself. You know what God does in those times? If you don't go to God, sometimes a graceful God will come to you. And that's what happens here in the story. Look at verse 20. In verse 20, the scripture says, But as he, Joseph, considered these things, okay, as he was contemplating uh, a divorce, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Let's stop there. What was his fear? His fear was not the angel. This is insane. God is so good. God is so good that he knows your limitations. Okay? He knows your limitations. He knows what will cause your heart to absolutely explode and die. He does that. He came to Mary in a... In a in an awakened state. She was awake, she saw. We're going to find out uh, next week, the shepherds saw. They were busy working and they saw. And they were filled with fear. And of course, there was an angel in front of them. All right? Insane. Joseph couldn't take any more fear. So God graciously comes to him in a dream. He sends the angel to him in a dream. So the angel is not what he fears. There's something else he fears. Listen to what it says. Joseph, son of David, that's important. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. What was his fear? Yes, taking Mary as his wife. But what was his fear generally? His fear was obeying God. His fear was obeying God. Because as some of you know, obedience to God has consequences. Obedience to God has consequences. Very positive consequences. I get to honor God. But from an earthly perspective, sometimes there's negative consequences. Sometimes there is great loss in following God. And Joseph was between a rock and a hard place, a lose-lose situation. And somehow, he went to sleep. And in that, the angel came and said, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Why? Why would he not fear? This is a bad situation. No, it's not. It looks like it from our perspective, but we don't see from God's perspective. There is something else going on that you don't know. What we are called to do is obey him no matter the circumstances. God is the one who has already gone down that path that he has laid out for you, and he is going to end that path in victory. Okay, he's going to lay out that path in a way that you will never be alone. 
God is always going to be with you. But here's the question. Are you going to obey? So here's what the angel says. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Why? For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Here's what just happened. The angel just told him definitively. Mary was not in the wrong. No wrong has been committed here. All of the fears you have can now dissipate. Because she was not unfaithful to you. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place, Joseph. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen, the situation at first looked bad, but you and I have got to understand this crazy truth. Your eyes lie to you. Your ears deceive you. And that's exactly what went on in this story. There are times when we are so willing to believe CNN or Fox News over the Word of God. There are so many times in our life that we are willing to follow religiously Oprah or Dr. Phil instead of the Holy Spirit. There are so many times in our life that we choose to believe a, a, uh, a character on a movie, an actor or an actress... Over our Father, who made not just you, but every single thing. And he knows how it works. Folks, that is ludicrous. That is idolatry. And so the angel says, God with us. Don't be afraid to marry. No matter how bad the situation looks, know this. If you're in obedience to me, I will work all things out. To the good, to those who love me and those who are called according to my purpose. Yes, Mary is pregnant, but it wasn't because of anything she did wrong. The reason that Mary was pregnant was because she was righteous. And she was declared righteous by God. The love of God. He set his affection upon Mary. And because of the beauty and the wonder of God's choosing, Mary is pregnant. Do not be afraid. Joseph was charged to not to fear, but instead to obey the vows that he gave to God and to Mary and her family and to stay with her. You know what I think is so amazing in this story? It, it's, it is sad how people who have gone through divorce have been treated in the church. Let's just be honest with you, okay? Let's just be honest. Uh, the past probably 30, 40 years, uh, divorce has gotten such... I mean, and it, 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 it's a... They have been treated wrong. They have been treated like second-class citizens. You and I have no idea what people go through when they're dealing with, with brokenness and divorce. We have no idea. And you know what I think is amazing in this passage? Is that Gabriel didn't come with a list of rules. You shouldn't do this because God hates divorce, this and this and this. He bypassed all that and said, just obey God. God loves you, man. 
He loves you and his great sovereignty has chosen you and Mary. Don't be afraid to obey me. I know that it's scary. I know that that it seems wrong. I know that you're going to be laughed at. I know that you're going to be mocked. It's okay. It's okay. Obey me. Talk about the heart of God in this situation. And he goes and he says, here's what I want you to do. Don't fear. Don't fear what other people say. Don't fear man. Fear me. Obey me. And stay with Mary. You know what this meant? This meant that uh, Joseph was not just to be Mary's husband. This does not just mean that Joseph was to be Mary's husband. This means that God Almighty ordained Joseph to be the father of the Messiah. Not just a husband, but to be a daddy. Listen to what it says in verse 21. She will bear a son, and you, Joseph, the father's role is to name the child and to train the child, and you shall call his name Jesus. Mary's not going to call the name Jesus. Okay, the family isn't going to call Jesus. Why not Joseph Jr.? Nope. His name is Jesus. The one who had the honor on earth to name the Messiah would be Joseph if he obeyed. If he obeyed. So he would take that role. The task of naming a child would be in the role of a father. So in essence, let me just wrap this this thought up. In essence, it was God's will for Joseph to marry Mary. It was God's will to do that. So here's Joseph's options. Here's our options today. All right, when it comes to obedience. Joseph's two options was number one, to fear and obey God, or to number two, to fear and obey your feelings. All right, to fear and obey the opinions of others. To fear and obey the church. Okay, back then they would be like, Joseph, don't you do that. You got to protect your name. Fear and obey God, or fear and obey your feelings. All right, listen, here's what's going to happen to you. Here's what's going to happen to me if I choose to obey my feelings. I will live a life just like everybody else. Some of you are thinking, that's not too bad. Some of us today, no, all of us today, if we choose to obey our feelings, we're going to live just like everybody else. We're going to do our own thing. We're even going to live religiously, right? We're going to come to church on Sundays. We are going to live religiously, but we will not be obedient on what most counts. Which means our life, people are going to look around you. They're going to say some nice things at your funeral. That person had good morals. That person, uh, he had a good name. Or she had a good name. They took care of the things that they were supposed to take care of. That was really neat. What a nice life. Some of us, all we want to do is live normally. Some of us want to just make our mark and leave this world. Make our mark. If we can have our name on something, not just, not just the burial plot, but something else. If we do that, that's, that's, all I, that's all I want. I don't want to risk. That's what happens if you obey your feelings. And your reward will be right here. But if you choose to obey God... If you choose to live committed to a die-to-self type of life, a life that says, I will do what it takes to follow Christ, here's what's going to happen to you. Your reputation will be on the line. 
Your reputation will be on the line. You will be weird. You're going to put yourself in positions that the world is going to consider unnecessary hardships. Why in the world would he or she go this way? Yes, I know what the Bible says, but... Okay, why would they go this way? It'd be so much easier if they would just cheat this way or or, uh, bypass this idea and just kind of do it a different way. They'd make more money. They'd live happier. They'd be in a nicer house. They'd do all these types of things. But they choose to do something so foolish as to obey this archaic book, to obey God. If you choose to obey God... You choose to put your life in God's hands. Let me say that again. If you choose to obey God, you will choose to put your life in God's hands, no longer your own. Joseph had a choice to make. I can choose to go my way, protect my kingdom, protect my relationships, or with a big gulp, should I obey God? Which means if I step there in faith... I have no idea how this is going to go. The only thing I have on this side is the promise of God's word. That's all I've got. That's the difference, church. Guests, that is the difference here. Instead of you choosing to make your mark when you leave this world, if you choose to obey God, you allow God to make his mark on you. A mark that can never be Erased. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? To obey God. Let me give you an example of what it means to obey God and it hurts. About eight years ago, this church, y'all made a decision as a body of Christ. It wasn't easy. You made a decision to become a relationally discipleship-minded church. All right, a church that says, you know what? We're not just going to uh, teach from a lectern and just just transfer knowledge. Okay, we want we want people's lives to be transformed by people in deep, meaningful relationships. So much, in fact, that your mission changed. You you became a church that full and wholeheartedly believes in the Great Commission. That says that we want to make biblical disciples in relational environments. And the moment y'all decided to do that, you lost people. You lost people. And it hurt. I'm sure it hurt numbers-wise and it hurt financially as well. Anytime, even a church who chooses to stand on the word of God instead of public opinion, you're going to experience pain. And this church experienced that. Now, stay with that story for a moment. Because I know of another church. A church that I deeply love. A church that had an opportunity to go relationally in discipleship. I know this church personally. They chose not to. Because they said, it sounds good and I think it's necessary, but too many people would be upset by it. So here's what happened. The church... They didn't lose anybody who was still there. They just got a whole lot older and nobody else came. The church is struggling now. There's no nursery. 
Very little children's ministry. What has happened at Buck Creek? You went through some pain, church. It hurt. Budgets were tight. Trying to get people to work. But here's what happened in seven years. Yes, you lost some valuable, wonderful family members and members who went to another church that would, that would be more uh, a style that they may be more into. But church, as we speak at this very moment, because of your faithfulness to say, God, this is what you're calling us to do and we're going to follow it, because of your faithfulness, there's probably in here about 215, 220 people in here right now. Okay? Think about that. 215. In the back, in the nursery, there's about 40. 40 people. Because you chose to take a risk because it was something that God told you to do. And because you were faithful to do it, it hurt. But in seven years, you've seen the result of that. You've seen a children's ministry that is now exploding. And we are desperate for workers. We have a youth ministry that, they, that our students are not just hearing messages, they're getting discipled. Some of them who even graduate uh, have even started small groups on campuses. That is absolutely insane, church. That is what happens when you obey God. Is it going to be easy? No, it's going to hurt. But it's right. And it will affect eternity. Jesus will make a mark on this church that will not rub away. What, what, what does Joseph do? What did Joseph do? It says in verse 24, when Joseph woke up from sleep. Imagine that, huh? Imagine him waking up probably full of sweat and everything. When Joseph woke up from sleep, listen to this. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he did not know her until she had given birth to a son. And he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. What a privilege. What an honor. That's what happens to a man or woman of God who chooses to not fear but obey. What does that mean for you and I? Listen, for Joseph, we don't know much about him, honestly. We really don't. Just a few verses, but listen, his impact is immeasurable. He will forever be known as a godly man. He will forever be known as a sacrificial man, a loving man, a chaste man, an obedient man. All because he chose to set aside his fear of the world and chose to fear and honor God. Listen, this message is not to minimize what it is that you're going through. All right, You're going through a lot of stuff. I'm going through stuff. Okay, we're all going through stuff. Mine might be a, a, a molehill to your mountain. I don't know, but it's my mountain, right? It's just like it's your mountain. We don't know what each of us are specifically going through. My goal here is not to minimize your situation. It's to maximize God. Because Him in your life changes everything. Which means this. Some of us today are living a life of excuses. Some of us are living a life of excuses. And you even have some Bible verses to back up your excuses. See it for what it is. Choose to leave that fear and follow God. Some of us say, I can't serve. I mean, yes, I know that our ministry, our children's ministry is busting at the seams. 
but, but I can't serve. I'm not mature enough. Okay? I don't know a lot about the Bible. I'm not ready. Listen, you will never, you will never experience the purpose that God has for your life if you do not step out and serve. Whatever that means. Okay? You will not experience that. Alright? You've got a choice to make. Obey my feelings or obey God. If you want to know where to serve, come talk to the staff. Talk to some deacons. Where is it that I can get plugged in? I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are. You come to us. You know what we're going to do? We're going to throw you in some ministries for a few weeks. If it clicks, yes. If it doesn't, we'll throw you in another. It'll be awesome. Well, hopefully. (laughs) It'll be great. And so you'll get to know exactly what it is that God is wanting to do in your life. Listen, do not make any excuses. King Jesus is worthy of our service. Obey him. Don't fear your feelings. Obey him. How about this? Some of us can't give. Some of us can't give. Because we're like, man, I am so full of of bills. I've got debt up to my ears. Some of us are like, I'd like to be able to give to missions or give to the church and everything. But you know what? I've got other plans. Listen. I'm going to make a a statement that's scary to make. Because y'all know. Y'all have seen the budget. It's kind of hurting here. God doesn't need your money. God desires your dependence upon him. There are people in the Bible and there's real life examples of people who know that they should give and they even know a specific amount to give and yet they choose not to. And at the end of the month, they're always empty. It's not because God's punishing them. It's God's trying to show them an eternal truth, not just a physical, temporal truth. An eternal truth is, I need Jesus every day. I need him for everything. And one of those things is whenever I give to God, God, this is insane, but I'm going to give to you to give to the work of the ministry. If I give to you, it's going to be tight. God says to challenge me. God says to challenge me. God says to trust me in this. Will you depend upon God? Oh, I depend upon him to to save my soul from death and hell, but I don't depend on him to... To help me with my monthly situations. I don't depend on him. How about uh, addictions? Some of us here or today are saying. I've got, I've got two choices. I either fear my feelings. Or I fear God in this. I can't stop. I can't stop pornography. I can't stop drugs. I can't stop alcohol. I can't stop lying I can't stop my anger situations. I need these things to get through. I need a drink to get me through the day. But God says, do not fear, I am enough. I am enough. Come to me, all of you. Who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I'm enough. Some of us, I cannot rebuild my broken relationship. Whether with my my children, with my spouse, with my parents. Maybe even church families. God forbid that there's broken relationships in here. I can't do that. God says, forgive as I have forgiven you. God is the one who says, no, 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 no. No, obey me in this. Seek 
seek restoration. Why? Because I am the God who makes all things new. And so God calls you to obey him, to stop fearing your feelings. Stop fearing man. Stop fearing uh, consequences uh, for doing the right thing. Just do it and trust God for the results. God says, do not be afraid to obey me because I am the God of the impossible. Listen to the psalmist David as he makes this beautiful statement from scripture. Psalm chapter 56. Just listen to this. And David was dealing with with troubles. He was dealing with fears from within and without. And this is what he says to God in a prayer. He says, God be gracious to me for man tramples on me. How many of y'all felt that way before? Yeah. For man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. For what can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk in, in, uh, and they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know. God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, I trust, uh, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid for what can man do to me. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank, thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. That I may walk before God in the light of life. This is an example of a man not perfect in any means. But a man who says, I can choose my feelings or God. And I choose. Because the weight of my feelings, the weight of this world is too much for me to handle. And God just says, follow me and he'll take care of it. David says, I choose to follow him. What about you? Are you going to choose to follow God in your relationships? Are you going to choose to follow God in your personal finances? Are you going to choose to honor God in your marriage? Are you going to choose to honor God in your service? Are you going to choose to honor God in your career? Some of you are struggling with that. I hate my job. I need to move. Listen, if God opens up a door, man, and you believe it's of the will of God, take it. But if not, God's got you there for a reason. You can choose to complain and gripe, or you can choose to be a missionary in the field that God has given to you. Every every situation that you are in, every single situation, you have a choice, A or B, Christ or self, every one of them. And God gives you a promise. If you choose him, he is the one who's going to carry you. He is the one who's responsible. Listen, there are some people here today with real fears about the present and about the future. You have a choice to make. I need to do it. I need to work harder, more hours. I need to do this. Or you need to come to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Choose his rest. The Christmas story calls every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what situation you're in, simply fear not.
obey God. Where will obedience lead you? Where will obedience lead you? You may not know the full answer to that right now. But one day you will. You'll know where obedience and disobedience leads you. So I plead with you by the authority of a God who loves you and has proven his love for you by dying on a cross for you. What more could he do? Trust me. Trust me. We will. Let's pray. Father God. I admit I'm a person who's full of a lot of fear. I want to be a person who's liked everywhere I go. I'm a person who uh, wants to do what I want to do. I'm a person who's got a plan. And I want that plan to always be accurate according to my will. But God, there's a bigger thing at stake. This is not my world. This is yours. God, your desires are even greater than mine. My desire to make marks in this world die with my passing. God, you want to do something in each and every person's life that will last for eternity. Namely, you want to save their soul. Father God, you have done everything possible to save every person in here who would call upon your name. I believe that by the authority of God's word that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Give us the courage to obey you in that, God. And God, for those who are yours, God, give them the courage to obey in the daily, in the relational, in the spiritual, in the physical, in the financial, and all the things, Lord, that weigh us down. May you be Lord over it all. And may we give it to you now. We plead in Christ's name. Amen.